WWL. I am Chris Chow, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. I am joined once again by my man, Mr. Chris Kennedy. What's going on, buddy? Dude, we're about a, what, a third of the way through the season right now. We're six Unreal. weeks in. Unreal. And I mean, this is October. This is when all of the other major sports are starting here. I mean, football is is underway. We've got the NBA kicking off tonight. We have the NHL, which has already started. We've got the MLB playoffs. I mean, we've got sports galore right now, man. Man, this is the best time as, as a sports fan to be alive because literally you're changing the channel every single station that you can watch on sports. There's something on, man. And for me, like I'm not a huge baseball guy, but when it comes to playoff baseball, I'm, I'm in. I, I like watching the excitement goes up to that next level. And you, you like I was watching the Sox the other night. and It was good. It was good games. Man. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're damn right. It was, man. We've had three grand slams in their last two games. Unreal. It's been phenomenal. Which great. is it's it's interesting because my 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 sister-in-law, uh, she and her family, they're all in Houston. That's where my brother and, and she live now. And so I'm in a group message with, you know, her brother and cousins and that whole side of the family. And that group chat was has been pretty quiet these last two games with the Red Sox giving it to the Astros. So <laughs> we're going to it's going to be interesting to see how the series plays out and if I'm invited to, uh, to to future events or if I ever see my niece and nephew again. Yeah, man, your invite is going to be <laughs> removed and you're the, the doors will be locked. You're not allowed to come back anymore. But it is it's 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 absolutely phenomenal time to be a sports fan. Speaking of which football man today is a rough day. It is not victory Tuesday for me. You know, we're starting off with Monday night football because King Henry just freaking decapitated us and literally stepped on our heads and our throats as the head was falling off the body. And I mean, right away, let's start off with Derrick Henry because he is not a man. He is legit uh, from a different planet. I'm at the point right now where I'm going to have to send a letter to the NFL because he needs to be tested for steroids. I mean, I'm just trying to joke around, but seriously, he is on just another level, this man. Dude, not just not just steroids, but there's like another steroid that hasn't been created that he just has genetically implanted into his body mm. because through the entire first quarter last night, he had like eight yards. Okay, he had eight rushing yards. And then out of nowhere, he just breaks off a 76 yard run and finishes the game with a hundred and what like a buck thirty and three touchdowns. Yeah, man, it was it hurt, man. Like, and I knew it was coming. You know, as you see the game, uh, how it was progressing, I get it. The Bills were trying everything to keep Henry at bay, but I mean, you could see that it just he loves playing Buffalo. It's like playing Buffalo and playing Jacksonville. Those those two teams, he'll just absolutely expose. And it was just gap awareness, man. And I mean, okay, here, credit to the D-line for Tennessee as well, because on top of what Henry did, they owned the trenches, man. And, and this is from a D-line that has not been getting pressure, that has not been playing very well defensively overall. And that's why everyone's like, well, who the, why, how, how are these Bills? They beat the Kansas City Chiefs, but yet they're losing to the Tennessee Titans right now. And I was, I was going back and forth with some people on Twitter was because, you know, they match up extremely well versus the Buffalo Bills. And they, they always have. And this is one of these things where, you know the bills just couldn't stop it no i mean absolutely not and when you're when you're watching the game last night i mean it was one of those things where you know at first you know they were, things were going really really well and you know it was a little bit of a defensive battle back and forth and then josh allen started to get going and then the second half happened and it was just an all-out just offensive juggernaut from both sides of the ball and there wasn't any defense to be seen 
Yeah, no, it was absolutely crazy. But can I vent, man? Just can I can I take some time and vent a little bit? Because I'm a little bit pissed off with a lot of the things that went down in that contest. And and the first thing is the freaking running game. What, what was mm. I saying, Chris, at the beginning of the offseason before the NFL draft? What did I want Buffalo to do? Travis Etienne. Correct. Because you wanted them to be able to get a running back that could establish the run to take pressure off of Josh Allen and the passing game. Absolutely. And we, what did we see last night? Nothing of the run game, because here's my biggest problem with this whole thing. So eight minutes left in the game. They're up 31 to 27. Run the fucking clock, man. Run the clock. Get that clock down. And yes, I'm swearing because I'm very angry. I, I was playing it off on Twitter yesterday. Like, you know what? I'm a good winner. I was I was legit. My blood was boiling at that point. Okay. Eight minutes left. Mm-hmm. You're up, man. And what do you do? You do three passes, a three and out, and you punt the freaking ball. What did you think was going to happen at that point of the contest? They had the run. They had you on the play action. It didn't even matter that Julio Jones was not in the game because the play action was working so well. AJ Brown over the middle. And this man, we're going to have a conversation about AJ Brown's route running in a second. But I mean, over the middle, when it comes to the play action, it was there all night long. The Bills were so confused after Henry was running up the uh, up the tree on everything that they were doing. I mean, they couldn't stop anything. And and at that point, you were like, eight minutes left. Yeah, let's keep throwing and not milk this clock. And and what? And then and then it goes to the end of the game. I don't hate the call. I don't hate the call of the uh, the quarterback sneak whatsoever. The mm-hmm. setup the setup is what would fail to me. Why the hell did you go in shotgun and then go under center? Who the hell did you think you were fooling at that point? You were better off going play action and doing a sweep out with uh, Josh Allen. That, to me, was coaching. That was the biggest coaching mistakes I've seen. When it came to the eight minutes in that contest, you didn't run the ball. You just threw and punted. And then at the end of the game, yeah, you were able to go down the field. Josh Allen basically did a table dive trying to get that first down. Man, he scares me. He's going to hurt himself with that shit. He's got to stop that crap, too. But I mean, here we go. You on the goal line. I don't hate the call. I just hate how the setup was. And and I'm so angry that it's a it's a lost Tuesday because that could have been our game and should have been. Yeah, and I mean it's it's not like they didn't attempt to to run the ball, you know. I mean, they they had what 23 rushing attempts, but the problem was that Josh Allen was leading the team in rushing attempts. Zach Moss was just completely inefficient. Devin Singletary had one really good one run. He had one for 14. I think he had another one for about 11. And then other than that, he had three mediocre carries, you know, for, for the game. So, I mean, the running game was not effective whatsoever. And again, we're going to go back to what we saw in last year's postseason was that mm. because the run game was so ineffective, teams weren't worried about that. They weren't going to worry about putting extra men in the box to try to stop the run. They're going to put everybody back into like a dime or quarter package and just make you beat them with your arm. And I mean, hell, Josh Allen did complete 35 passes out of 47 attempts. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they still lost the game because of that. See, and, and here's the here's the argument I've seen on the other end is if you're playing against weaker defensive backs, why do you care to run, Chris? And 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 for me, I'm like, are you kidding me? Look what the defensive line did last night. They have played like shit all season long, and it took them one game to figure it out. They owned that Buffalo Bills offensive line last night and owned it. Look how many times Josh Allen had to escape the pocket. He rolled left, rolled right. How many times? It was and and it their their defensive back core was decimated, man, decimated. 
And, and you still, okay, yeah, you're throwing the ball with a, a supreme efficiency. What did it get you, man, when you couldn't stop the run and you couldn't stop their defensive line? You got an L in the in the column, man. This is this is how it's going to go in the postseason again if the Bills don't figure this shit out, man, because it's bugging me. Well, let's think. I mean, they got eight hits on the quarterback. They had three sacks total. I mean, yeah, the, the defensive line for Tennessee was just an absolute monster. And, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's So I compare this to... The New York Giants, uh, when they won the Super Bowls in 2007 to 2011, I believe it was, mm. their secondaries sucked. Like right. they, you, their their cornerbacks, their safeties were average to below average. But because they had a phenomenal front seven that could get after the quarterback, it didn't matter how bad the cornerbacks were in the secondary because the quarterback had no time to actually get rid of the ball. Absolutely, and with with King Henry running the ball the way he does. Game over. I mean, they they now have the opportunity to control the clock, set up the play action pass, and look at how confused Buffalo was. And when we talk about the play action pass with AJ Brown, funny thing, AJ Brown had food poisoning coming into this contest. He almost didn't suit up, and they asked uh, Derrick Henry. This was funny. I got to laugh. He says, "Were you worried about uh, about Antonio Brown, uh, uh, AJ Brown not playing in this contest?" Henry said, "I just made sure we had enough toilet paper to go around." <laughs> I, I got a kick out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe he should have asked Lamar Jackson about how he handled, you know, something like that. Yeah, how he how he handled the poop games. I mean, that's just how it goes. But I mean, AJ Brown, are we questioning his ability to have a full route tree at this point? Because literally, he's just doing crosses over the middle now. And I mean, it's something to definitely debate at this point. Yeah. And because of that, I mean, that's when a lot of these injuries are going to happen because the more you go over the middle, the more you're going to get hit and the more you're going to get big hits from those big linebackers. So for me, I'm a little bit worried. Um, you know, I mean, yes, he's still producing, but when you're, you know, your average depth of target is like seven yards, eight mm. yards, that's, that's a little bit worrisome, especially for an alpha number one receiver. You need to be able to stretch the field and do a little bit more. Absolutely. And I mean, now with Julio again with a hammy injury, dude, it is like a certainties in life, man. Death taxes and Julio Jones injuries. And that shit hurts for me because, you know, me, Julio's my guy. He's my number two favorite of all time. And and right now, I mean, what can we say about Julio Jones? <laughs> like we, at this point, this season, fantasy football wise, can you trust him whatsoever? Because I, I legit can't. He's almost at the point where I don't even hate you dropping him if you really have to. No, I mean, no, you can't, unfortunately, which sucks to say because he's one of the best receivers that we've ever seen. But that's when he's on the field. And how often has he actually been on the field over the last two to three seasons? It's it's tough. It's like, yeah, how many, you know, are you going to get a half out of him? Maybe a quarter? You're not going to get a full game out of him. And so at this point, you're questioning yourself, you know, kind of like a an Allen Robinson situation. It's like, okay, well, just do I have to bench him at this point? What do you do with A-Rob? I, I, you know what the funny thing is? Yesterday was or uh, Sunday was the first time all season long that I've benched Allen Robinson. I've, I've had the faith. I probably more faith than everyone else, but I, I had to do it. And I was like, I'm, I'm benching his ass. And it was to my benefit because I, I played Cortland Sutton instead. And, and look what's happening. What do we do with Allen Robinson? This is another major, major problem that we've have We've discussed over the past few weeks. Him and Julio, I mean, they just simply can't be trusted. And it's at the point, how can you even trade them outside of packaging a deal with one of these individuals to get you something on your roster? Well, see, that's the problem is that you can't, like, you, you're obviously not going to be able to trade them straight up. You know, we're not with the, the lack of production that he's had so far. Um, 
I mean, when you look at the targets that he's been getting, the targets are kind of there. You know, he had double digits in week one. He finally saw seven, yes, you know, on Sunday. But other than that, he's been seeing like three, four targets a game. And for somebody that you drafted as your most likely wide receiver too, that's not really what you need to be seeing. You know, I mean, this is a guy who's not even putting up flex numbers at this point. And I, after week one, sorry, after week two, I haven't started him in any of the leagues that I own him in. And I drafted him in a lot of leagues because I was super high on him coming into the season. Yeah, so was I. I mean, was I was I pushing the envelope because some of my teams were were stronger to take the the seven points, the six points? Sure, but I mean, was it smart to keep playing them? No, and and I mean, I was hoping that you know you're, we how many times we talk like the Robert Woods situation where everyone was dogging Robert and then he goes off uh, from Bobby Branches to Bobby Trees overnight, and it was like I'm hoping this is going to happen. But when you watch what what Fields was doing on the field. Uh, pun intended. I mean, uh, he he didn't. He looked okay, but he was making a lot of mistakes. And I think that in that contest, the Bears seriously could have won that game if they could have executed six, seven more plays when they had those opportunities. And I think that's the difference between those two receivers right there is their quarterback situation. You know, mm-hmm. if Allen Robinson had Matthew Stafford as, as his quarterback and he started off slow, I'd be like, you know what? He'll be fine. He's going to bounce back. But where you have an inexperienced rookie quarterback under center that's still learning the NFL game at this speed and still building that rapport with his offense, it could take a lot longer, which, you know, it sucks because as patient as we want to be as fantasy owners, we're, we're, there's no such thing as being a patient fantasy owner. We want it. We want the results. We want them now. And we need them now, man. My team is super stacked right now, and I'm three and three, and it's because of poor productivity from top end players. I don't like this season as it starts right now, but I'm hoping, you know what, everything's going to align the way it should and, and we'll get back to business. Speaking of aligning the way it should, I mean, for me, at least the New England Patriots, buddy, let's see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of my word. I, I talked about my bills. We can talk about your Patriots right now. So it's, it's not victory Tuesday for either of us. So. No, it's not. So <laughs> we can, we can wallow in our sorrows together and I mean, what a contest that was with Dallas. And and the funny thing is, when I did my point spread video, I was saying, you know, uh, the the odds makers sh- uh, think that Tom Brady still is a quarterback of this team because Dallas was only favored by three and a half. And and clearly, I mean, they they held him in check. And and this New England uh, Patriots team is very interesting to me because they can get up for the one of the better teams in this league and compete at a very high level. It was only a, a couple mistakes that really got you in the, in the hot water. Otherwise you guys would have been coming out with the W versus the Cowboys, which is absolutely impressive. I know what's frustrating is that when you look at the losses that the Patriots have had this year, you know, they're three plays away as in a total in three games from winning those games. It was one play away against the Dolphins, one mm-hmm. play against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and one play against the Dallas Cowboys. Like, I mean, you those plays go one other way. And, you know, we're talking about a, you know, a three and three and two, four and two team right now, as opposed to, you know, being a two and four team. Yeah, and you're, you're right up there with the Buffalo Bills tied for first place. Like, it, that's how it was game of inches with you guys. It's unbelievable. But I mean... How hurt is Damian Harris, Chris? I mean, I watched the game. You watched the game. We were talking amongst ourselves. And and when Ramondre mm-hmm. came in, I was cheering. I was, ooh, my boy, Ramondre. But, I mean, how hurt is he? He's he's playing hurt. And we're at week seven now. 
I'm almost afraid to say by week 13, he may not be playing. Yeah. And even though he played hurt, I mean, when you look at what he did, he still had himself one heck of a game. But I do think that they need to start giving Stevenson a little bit more of the workload, not the full workload, but taking some of that pressure off of Damian Harris, let him heal up a little bit because if the Patriots are going to make a run and they are going to try to get a wild card spot, they're going to need Damian Harris to do that. And they're going to be able to rely on him in the playoffs. If it gets to a point where, you know, maybe mathematically the Patriots are out of it, you know, then I can definitely see them, you know, kind of shutting him down for the year. But I think that they are going to ride him a little bit more until they figure out exactly what's going to be going on with their, you know, their, their playoff future. If there is one. So are you of the opinion to now bench stash Mr. Ramondre Stevenson? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to see more Stevenson just in case he does really, really well. And then it just makes, you know, makes you stick that finger in my face. Make my head grow. Yes. 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 But I will say, um, you know, I would like to see a little bit more from Ramondre and what he can do because he was in the doghouse, you know, to start the season with the coaching staff, but they said that he's made a lot of improvements. Um, they haven't really said where because his biggest areas of opportunity were quote unquote everything. <laughs> so I don't know where he has and hasn't improved yet, but I would like to see more of him so we can kind of figure out what that may or may not be. Yeah. You know what I saw that was intriguing. And I mean, I know that I know his game very well, so it didn't shock me. It shocked a lot of people that he could catch. And it doesn't shock me whatsoever, but he he saw a role in that pass game. And with a guy that's 225, 230, 235, he's hovering around that weight all the time. But he's he's kind of like a lean 235, if that's even a thing. But I mean, his ability to catch passes out of the backfield, he's he's more than capable. And he has enough uh, juice to break tackles and get his wheels to get past defenders. I, I think if I'm if I'm hoodie Bill Belichick, I mean, I would I would make this a 60 40 backfield. I mean, obviously, fumbles are the biggest thing, but to, for the betterment of your entire backfield and Damian Harris's health, I think I think it's time you got to go 60 40. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Stevenson is a guy that is more or less kind of built like like Rex Burkhead was, you know, that has that, that bigger body, but playing the James White role, you know, playing that passing down back, that third down, third down role with him, you know, at least in the passing game. Um, but also what I've I've been noticing is, and I'm sure everybody else has, is how Hunter Henry is slowly taking over, you know, this this two tight end set mm. that you know, we kind of thought we'd see in the beginning of the season, but now it really is kind of just a Hunter Henry show. Now, both he and Johnu Smith had two targets last this past week, but Hen- Hen- Henry has been targeted much more in the in the red zone. Um, you know, the favorite target for Mac Jones right now has been Jacoby Myers with, you know, Kendrick Bourne kind of getting in there a little bit now and then. Nelson Aguilar seems to have really taken a backseat to all of these guys right now. And uh, Aguilar kind of started the season off on a hot note. But as the weeks go on, it's been Myers, it's been Bourne, and it's been Henry. Those have been the three main beneficiaries there. And Jonu Smith continues to take naps on and coffee breaks on every single damn week. Like, I, I, I'm, okay, obviously there's not enough balls to go around, but shit, man, he's not even making a play in any respect at this point. And, okay, we're going to have maybe the one Jonu game that everyone's going to be rushing to the waiver wire to go pick him up, but then it's going to be again excuse me, lights out, go to bed after that. But yeah, you're right, man. Hunter Henry looks absolutely phenomenal, like the player that we thought he could be. 
and you need to use more of them. And I think uh, it'll make uh, for the betterment of this New England Patriots uh, offense, uh, no question, Zen. Yeah. So, I mean, the offense is going to be, they're going to be okay. I'm not too worried about the offense. It's the defense that scares the crap out of me. I mean, you go and you trade away Stefan Gilmore, who wasn't, what hasn't been eligible to play the entire season anyway because of IR. But I mean, JC Jackson just hasn't looked great. Jalen Mills hasn't been anything special. This secondary has been getting absolutely shredded. They, they made Davis Mills two weeks ago or three weeks ago pretty much look like Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. You know, Dak Prescott shredded them. They're not getting pressure on the quarterback. This is the defense that was supposed to be the backbone of this team. And now they're becoming the biggest liability for this team. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, flipping gears to Dallas a little bit. I mean, for the Dallas Cowboy fans, are they built to go? Because I'm seeing so much chatter and I think it's a little premature, but are they built in your opinion to go all the way? The way that their defense has stepped up so far this year. Yeah, you know, I think the offense, obviously, nobody's going to question that. They're going to be able to put up 30-plus points whenever they want to. Um, but now that they have somebody in, in the secondary with Trayvon Diggs, mm. who is just an absolute ball hawk, beast. I mean, this is something that they didn't have, you know, last year. You have the young Micah Parsons, who's going to make some mistakes, but the guy's all over the field, you know? Randy Gregory has been an absolute beast for them as well. So I think right now, with the players that they have, yeah, they could absolutely be a team that could contend against someone, someone like Tampa Bay, who we did see in week one. They went head-to-head with them, and they gave them all they could. I really want to see Dallas and the Rams. We haven't seen that game yet this season, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken. But that would be a game to me that would be more uh, intriguing than the Tampa Bay game, simply because we know what Tom Brady can do, and Tom Brady could easily win uh, at any point. But when you're talking head-to-head, uh, defense mm-hmm. versus offense, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking the Rams, man. I, they're, even if we're talking Arizona and their explosive uh, nature and how they play offense, I'm I'm not overly convinced in Dallas right now because right now it's all digs digs. And actually I'm not going to say all, but I mean, majority of the game changing plays, I should say it like that have been coming from digs. And, and yes, there are byproducts to why that's occurring based on how much pressure they're getting on the defensive line based on uh, Keanu Neal and his presence on that field. Cause he's that Swiss army knife taking away lots of ways on that field. I mean, I, I see a lot of people talking that Dallas is built to go to the Super Bowl, and I, I know you just said yes, and and maybe it's my bias. Maybe it's just my Dallas hatred from all the years past of uh, beating Buffalo in the Super Bowls, but they're, they're good. I'm not going to say they're not. I'm not trying to make an argument to say, yeah, Dallas sucks. They're obviously very, very strong, but I, I think that they're beatable based on how they play football and how you can scheme up and match up against them. But I mean, your New England Patriots, look, look what they were able to do. And I mean, really, yeah. are we talking about your Patriots going anywhere this year? Probably not, right? Probably not. But I will say with Dallas, they are going to be tested defensively this season because after the bye week, week seven, they play Minnesota week eight. They go with. Denver week nine, who's, you know, offense is nothing to sneeze at. You know, they play the Chiefs in week 11 and you have Arizona week 17. So, I mean, Mm. they've got some tough matchups throughout the season. So they're going to they're going to certainly be tested. You know, not that they haven't already been tested going against Tampa Bay and and the Chargers to start the year, you know, but then they got Philly. They got Carolina, uh, um, the Giants, the Patriots. So they really are going to this defense is going to be tested to see what they can actually do. 
Yeah, and and, and I, that that's going to put my argument to bed. If they beat those teams, I mean, then there's nothing really to say. They're they're going to be a well put together squad that can make a definite run. But switching to the other team that we are very critical on at this point in the Kansas City Chiefs, and I mean up against the Washington football team, this game was <laughs> man. I, I the Kansas City Chiefs are legit broken, and uh, he, there's there's two ways the Jekyll and Hyde effect of them from the first half to the second half. Mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. First half, second half, they come out, you know, they clean it up, and they put up, they drop thirty one on Washington. But I mean. Is this is this a byproduct of of Washington's porous defense, even though they were supposed to be elite and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs just understanding that they are still the elite talents on the offensive side, just not firing on all cylinders. It's almost like they need an oil change, you know, fix the piston rings and, and you know, rebuild the engine to some degree. Um, but I mean, what the hell's wrong with Kansas City? Because this is not the team that we're used to defense aside. Obviously, what's wrong with this offense and Patrick Mahomes, man? I think, it, you know, we, we've talked about it before is, you know, teams are starting to figure them out, you know, um, and what we saw this past week was, you know, Patrick Mahomes with I think 212 passing yards, zero touchdowns and two interceptions in the first half. And then they finally turned on the second half. So I almost think that, you know, they're making great adjustments at halftime, you know, Andy Reid and the staff. But I mean, they just aren't really getting things going in the first half of games right now. And so I think with Kansas City, it's going to be a matter of, you know, just, you know, not waiting to, you know, to, to wait until you're down or you're, you have a close game before you turn it on and just make sure you're doing that from the get-go right out of the gate, because that's what we saw from them last year is they were just putting up, you know, massive amount of points in the first half and then just, you know, relying on the defense for the most part to get things going in the second half. So this year, yeah, like, like teams have people made the argument before how teams had started to figure out Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's having a great game. Yes, he is. Great. A great season. Excuse yeah. me. Uh, the Kansas city chiefs teams are starting to kind of figure them out, you know, and the, the game plan for Kansas city really is, you know, if you can, you can't shot, obviously shut down Hill and Kelsey, but you target on one of them, you get as much pressure as you can on Patrick Mahomes, and then kind of let your defense do the rest after that. And that's what teams are now starting to do. And I love that you just brought that up because the takeaway is, is this offensive line overrated from what we thought that they were going to be this year? And it's, it's, it's very true. And that's why you said, you know, they're bringing the heat, they're bringing the pressure. I mean, when do we see Patrick Mahomes make a mistake like that under duress where he, he dropped the ball, picks it up, rolls to his right. And then, you know, he gets his legs wrapped and he just throws up a duck in the air. Like he's a rookie. We don't see that from Patrick Mahomes ever. And what was his uh, stat? It was like 15 interceptions in the last 15 games. Like this is not Kansas city, Patrick Mahomes that we are all accustomed to. And I mean, but still the argument can be said, even though they don't look like themselves, I mean, they can drop 35, you know, in a half and still come out victorious, even with a defense that seriously, they can't, get out of their own way really no the defense is always kind of an issue for them i mean i remember last season their their pass defense was was okay but i mean they just couldn't stop the run for the life of them so you know this year it's been even tougher for them so the defense obviously isn't going to help them they're going to be a bend but don't break kind of a defense and just hoping that your team can continue to put up 30 a game yeah fair enough and i mean two players i want to talk about from this contest and that was the fill-in that uh, got likely everyone a win if they picked him up and played him and that's daryl williams he goes 21 Mm. for 62 two touchdowns three receptions 27 yards 
Here's my thing. And, and okay, you guys know if you listen to the show that I am not a CEH hater, but I am also not a full-on supporter. I'm kind of lukewarm on the fence with CEH. Always have been after scouting him. And, and you know, even though he went to Kansas City, the high-octane, high-power, you know, everyone thought he was going to be the next best thing next to sliced bread. For me, I was always like, yeah, he's good, and he'll likely be a good running back, and I'm still saying that today. He'll likely have a very sound career in this league. However, I heard rumblings, and I don't know how true it is, that the Kansas City Chiefs are starting to get a little bit frustrated with not only the play, but the injuries that are are following Clyde Edwards-Hilaire right now, and the fact that we don't see Chris... We do not see the Kansas City Chiefs utilize CEH the way that we saw them utilize Daryl Williams. And at this point, can you make the argument to say that both of these men are the same in the same category? Why are they not giving CEH this workload that they're giving Daryl Williams and he was able to exploit it? That's fair. I mean, because last season, CEH did get that workload. You know, the guy just couldn't score inside the five yard line. Um, and I think that's kind of where some of the frustrations may have may have come up. It's okay. Well, okay. You know, you're this big, powerful, fast running back, you know, who can bold, bulldoze over guys in the open field. But then once it comes down to crunch time and you're in the trenches inside the five, you can't get it done. And then this year, of course, with the injuries, um, I mean, yeah, he got off to a slow start. He had a couple of really good back-to-back games, which was nice to see. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just, I think for this, I think CEH is the kind of guy that needs 20 plus touches a game to be productive. I like that argument. See, that that to me, I will always agree with because volume is key to so many of these running backs and, and Clyde might be one of these guys. And it's like, we talk about guys like Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he's one of these guys. But I mean, when you, got, when you see a guy like Williams go 21 touches, okay, yeah, 62 yards on 20, 21 touches is not good. It's, it's never going to be good for your offense. But the two touchdowns, the ability to play in the receiving game, he's not a liability to this offense and clearly does you enough in fantasy to get you 20 plus points. And you're smiling because you're you just pick somebody off the waiver wire that, you know, probably did better than CH would. Yeah, I will say this, um, you know, for, for guys who who don't necessarily need a ton of touches to still be productive. I mean, you are you're talking about guys like um, like Kareem Hunt like Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, you know, especially where, where Jonathan Taylor is now being involved much more in the passing game this year. You know, these are all guys that are, that are ranked top three, top four in the league and fantasy points per touch that they actually get, you know, this season. And, you know, for a lot of these guys that aren't as involved in the pass in the passing game, with the exception of Derrick Henry, because he's the one outlier, you know, you need to have that balance. You need to either make sure that you're getting 17 carries and you know three receptions a game to make sure that you're able to return that value yeah agreed man so this one hurts man value for elite talent and scary terry mclaurin he goes eight targets four receptions Uh, 28 mother effing yards man this was the killer he got you like four point something in half ppr and against the Kansas City Chiefs team that you knew was going to be ahead, that you knew you had to throw to get back into the game, and none of it transpired to Terry. Dude, this is becoming a problem because you rely on these guys so much weekly. It's almost like you look at your roster and you're like, yeah, Terry, he's good. You don't even think about it. And you get these weeks from him. It's like when, okay, Fitzpatrick is likely coming back shortly next one or two weeks, I think I saw. But I mean... If, if he doesn't start throwing a Terry, 
when it, when do we say bite on this one? Because I mean, would you shop Terry at this point to say let him be somebody else's headache, even though we love him and understand the capability he can put on the field? I mean, you're going to be taking a hit anyway, you know, if you do try to move him right now. So I probably would wait for Fitzpatrick to come back because right now McLaurin is still averaging nine to 10 targets a game. Like he's getting the targets, you know, it's just, it's not turning around to that production. And I think it's because, you know, while uh, Heineke has been playing fairly okay, mm-hmm. I much rather would have somebody like a Fitzpatrick in there. Who's not going to be afraid to air it out. Not going to be afraid to make mistakes because McLaurin is one of the top guys in the league at the receiver position when it comes to talent alone you just got to give him an adequate quarterback that's going to be able to accurately get him the ball god man trade him to a team that could actually use him that's that's where i'm at now trade him let's get him to a good club that we're actually going to see points from man we were talking about this before we we started recording the show man you're saying chris evans and I, this this one made me smile because i've been a Ooh. chris evans guy since like before the nfl draft as i was scouting the film he is one of these guys if you guys don't know he is and you should know because you watch headliner you i'm assuming but i mean you go and you watch chris evans he is a wide receiver convert to the running back, and he is not your prototypical guy that is a running back. He is this Swiss Army, but a beautiful Swiss Army knife. Like, it's it's chrome-plated, lined with gold. Like, this is what Chris Evans could become eventually. Maybe I'm, I'm overshooting my shot, you know, and I hit somebody in the eye across the room. But, hey, man, it's Chris Evans, and I like guys named Chris. And and why not? Because that's a fine name. That's a great um, name. So, Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, so Evans coach, uh, Zach Taylor's went out and said, you know, Hey, I want you to watch tape on Gio Bernard because you need to improve your pass blocking. Like if you're going to be playing this role as his pass, pass catching back, you need to learn how to pass block better. And so he did, he watched film on Gio Bernard, had a couple of really good blocks, uh, you know, in the game on Sunday. And, uh, and I think that, you know, he's, he's starting to now carve out this role for himself. So, Am I going to go as far as saying gold plated with the, with the spinning rims and, you know, in the dice on the, on the yeah. rear view mirror? Yeah. Maybe not yet, but I, but I am, I am excited for the potential of this guy. So, you, so what you're saying is that you're, you're still the stock car in the, in the lot and you're still going through your options to see if you're going to put on the spinners. Yeah. I've got, I've got, I've got all the, all the, the, the custom, the, you know, the customization, all the options available to me. Yeah. I'm just not ready to build the car just yet you're, you're telling the mechanics just hold up a second i don't know if it looks good yet i understand i get it but I yeah, like yeah. don't 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 upgrade to those like you know 28 rims or whatever kids are putting on their cars <laughs> yeah man I mean, keep, keep it with the the 13s man you keep them clean though right <sighs> i like him i think he's good and you know what it does for cincinnati it makes them more multi-dimensional now you kind of have a a one-two punch in your backfield with mixon because look at mixon he ripped off finally they gave him the ball in the past game mm. he rips off the big touchdown i mean look at you uh, look at jamar chase blocking for this man like is there anything chase can't do right now because he looks absolutely phenomenal with everything he's doing on the field but i love this for this offense because you're already morphing into this pass happy offense that can run the ball but now you're interchangeable without the defense knowing what you're doing with Evans or Mixon because they can both run. They both can catch. And and I love that dynamic of an offense. You don't necessarily need a bruiser and a finesse guy have two finesse guys that can run the ball very well. I'm good with it. I think it works very well. I think it does. I mean, when you think of like a, a, a true speedster and then a bruiser, you go back to the, the, you know, original thunder and lightning days of Tiki Barber and, uh, 
and not no not not Ron Dane, uh, but the other guy that they had, yeah, Brandon Jacobs. Thank okay, you. Okay, like yeah. I mean, that was the ultimate speed and bruiser kind of a guy. So it's nice when you have this combination of guys who have similar skill sets. One just happens to do one thing better than the other. Yeah, absolutely, man. We did have some news today, which is surprising. Whitney Merciless, man, he's had enough of the Texans. He asks for his release. Yeah. You saw that? And he's like, get me the hell mm -hmm. out of here because we're not going anywhere. 31 years old. Now he can start his career looking for a club that's uh, likely a Super Bowl contender. And who, of course, comes call and has interest is the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm pissed off, man. Why does my team not go after good free agents that, you know, can help the club? God damn it, Chris. Um, well, because, you know, I, well, my first two, two thoughts were, well, he's going to go to the chiefs or he's going to go to the bucks. Cause that's where everybody freaking wants to go. Apparently, Basically. um, or the Panthers, since now they're just accumulating a whole bunch of crazy defensive talent. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, I mean, those are the kind of like the, the wish list for players now, because they think that that's the easy way or the easy road to a super bowl. And I mean, he's got some skills left. He's got baller ability. I always liked his game. He has some injury concerns from time to time, but Kansas City could use them. They we we know their defense is banged up. So I mean, won't hate that. We saw the Seattle Seahawks, man. They reach out to Mr. Cam Newton. And I am cringing here because really, okay, he's double vaccinated now. And they could they came to the point on the media to say that Cam Newton is double vaccinated and he is ready to return to the field of play. And I'm like, come on, really? That's got to be your headline. Like shit. And Cam's like, I want to be playing football again. Is this really an upgrade for Geno? Like really i mean honestly instead of the headline being cam newton is double vaccinated i'd rather see cam newton's shoulders 100 percent healthy and back to his old 2016 ways yeah exactly his foot is, is reattached and he's good i mean but seriously though does he really help out without being on this roster he's gonna have to take a couple weeks to get accustomed to the playbook uh the the schemes the checks and and i mean gino's already done it i get it it's gino yeah but I mean, you can't. But you know what? Fall DK more than you fall Gino in last week's game for you know not going out of bounds yeah. and fumbling that football. Dude, if I'm if I'm a DK or a Lockett owner hmm. and Cam Newton's my starting quarterback, I'm 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 trying to trade either of those guys honestly as fast as I can because he's only is him as the starting quarterback fantasy wise is only going to bring down his teammates that you have on your team because he's not going to be able to produce a legit wide receiver one for your fantasy football team. Very well said, because we've seen it. He can't throw down the field more than 15 anymore. So unless you're filled and even, with even slants, those five, 10 yard checkdowns, he still throws it at your feet <laughs> or he throws it over top of you thinking he's using some muscle, man, like unreal. But we do have to touch on injuries, Chris. I mean, shit again, here we go. I'm swearing a lot today and I don't know why. Maybe I've had too many to drink, but Hey, Fuck it. How about that? I say not enough. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's go, man. Injury time. The Ravens, unfortunately, they lose left tackle Ronnie Staley. He is done for the year with an ankle. And I mean, it's a huge loss for the Ravens. They've been playing extremely mm. well. I mean, okay, they're filling in without Staley before. I have no doubt that they're going to find a way to do it again. And the way that the Ravens have been playing I mean, do they do they really need offensive line at this point? I mean, Lamar has been playing elite lights out and he has, again, like we talked about last week, found new levels to his game. Is this really a huge loss to them? I mean, yes, it is. But will it be really felt is kind of where I'm going. Um, I think it definitely will be felt a little bit because right now, so far this season, they're like 
sixth or seventh in the league with allowing the highest pressure rate um, among all offensive lines. So you take out somebody like Ronnie Staley, I think they're definitely going to feel it. Lamar has been doing a great job, though, with getting rid of the ball quickly, you know, and if not, obviously, he's just taken off and running with it like we know he can do. But with the improved passing of Lamar Jackson, I think it's just going to mean he might have to get rid of the ball a little bit faster than he has been so far. And that's all right, because we saw Rashad Bateman come back on the field, and that was nice. I, I liked seeing Oh, I was, that was great. I was smiling when he caught him. I was like, yes, there he is. There he is. And, and you, mm-hmm. know what I, you know what I did two, three weeks ago? I scooped him up off the waivers and put him on the bench, you know, just for this time, because you know it's going to start coming. Oh, same. I've got I've got he and Rondell Moore both on my bench, just waiting, just, just like waiting. salivating, just ready for the moment when I can put him in my starting lineup. Absolutely. It's absolutely beautiful. The Cleveland Browns. Oh, my goodness. They have found themselves in injury problems, Chris. And I mean, Kareem Hunt now placed on the IR with a calf. Uh, Nick Chubb has been uh, uh, downgraded to out already for Thursday night football. Baker Mayfield says he, he's going to play. He's uh, well, we'll get into Baker in a second. JOK, he's out. He's on the IR as well. Like, I mean, shit has just fallen off the wheels in Cleveland. I feel sorry for the fans because, I mean, you guys had so much optimism and now it's kind of going by the way side but baker mayfield his shoulder he says and i quote it is my decision whether or not i play this week against the broncos and it's gonna be strictly up to me is that another i feel dangerous that's an i feel stupid is what that (laughs) is i mean yeah i i get it man you're the you're the captain you want to be a tough guy but good god like you because because we both saw that injury we saw how jj watt landed on, on top of Baker, Baker's arm went the wrong way that it was supposed to go. Now, thankfully, it was, it was his non-throwing shoulder that it happened to. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I mean, like, there, there are times to be tough, and there are times when you need to be smart because you are the franchise quarterback. And, like, if it happens to that arm, it could happen to the other arm. So, for me, like, if it, if it doesn't impact the way that he's going to play, then, sure, I'm, I'm fine with him going out there. But... The I don't like the way that he's gonna like the I don't like the way that he said this is my decision and my decision. No, like you're you're the answer probably should have been I'm gonna consult with our training staff and we're gonna make the, the best decision for this football team because it's not about you, Baker, it's about the team. Right. Okay. We know he's not the most humble of dudes, he's gonna speak on it however he wants. But I have to agree. I mean, if he is less than adequate to throw the, but they're in trouble. And I think he's actually feeling the pressure and he's kind of the way he said this was kind of funny because it's typical Baker Mayfield speak, but I almost feel like he's getting pressure from the staff because no Chubb, no hunt. So that there goes your Kevin Stefanski run game. You know, yes, Jarvis Landry, you said this, he could play, which would be a huge step up for them. I mean, OBJ, yeah, whatever he's doing, what he does here and there, but Really, without a quarterback, without a running game, I mean, the Cleveland Browns really, I mean, it's minus 3.5 favored for the Browns. I wouldn't touch that spread with a 10-foot pole right now. Oh, God, no. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, you're looking at that team and kind of what they've done and or I guess you could say what they haven't really done so far this year. Right. And going up against a Denver Broncos defense that is top, what, three, top five in the league at this point? Yeah, I'm, I'm no, I'm, I'm not touching that at all. Jarvis Landry, can we get Jarvis back? Because, I mean, I need him. And there's people that feel my pain. We're waiting for him to come back, and we've been holding him when we should have dropped him. He's the PPR gold, man. He's the safety blanket. That's that's what we need. 
And same with same with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is eligible to come back week seven, yes. though they are saying that it's going to take him a few more weeks to actually get reacclimated and to be healthy 100% before we see him. So we may not see Michael Thomas until week nine, week 10, probably. So if he comes back week 10, you're in the you're in the midst of a, of a playoff, you know, battle to get into your playoffs in your fantasy league. How much faith do you have in Michael Thomas? The first game, first two games back being back to Michael Thomas without Drew Brees. I think I felt fine with it because I, I will say this, you know, the the one game where Jameis started last year with Drew Brees, you know, out you know, he and Michael Thomas seem to have been on a on a pretty good rapport there. So I think that, you know, with him, Michael Thomas coming back, I, I'm not worried about the drop-off, you know, between Drew Brees and Jameis Winston. I think the targets will still be there. You know, it's just going to be a matter of, okay, well, is he going to get his, you know, eight catches for 100 yards and a touchdown? You know, who But yeah, for came? me... Go ahead. For me, if I'm in the in the miss in the, the hunt for the playoffs and I'm like I need some some magic to happen, I'm plugging him into my starting lineup. You know who they activated today? It, it was uh, Mr. Traquan. You, Traquan you touch, Smith. You touching yeah. Traquan? You you gonna give him a little feel or what? No, I'm not. Not nope. Not even gonna get. Not even gonna give him the tip. Not even the tip. Oh, okay. Not even know. the tip. Not even the tip. <laughs> Oh man, this t- you know what? I, it's been a long day, okay? And I, you know, it's it's good to laugh at stuff. Like, give me. I almost said it's been a long week, and then I was like, oh fuck, it's only Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> I'm feeling the same, man. I'm feeling gassed already. Like it's just unreal. Antonio Gibson, this guy is becoming a headache as well, much like Terry McLaurin. Because seriously, I mean, he's at the point where he continuously gets nicked up. It's not a great injury, but it's enough like a Julio injury to leave the contest and put your fantasy managers in dismay. He has a shin, looks to be okay, but I mean, really, sideline standing is just killing us for fantasy football. I mean, literally, this is a point. I mean, we know how... uh, priority uh, running back ones are to have on your roster. I mean, but really, if, if you could entertain trading Gibson, I mean, would you entertain it? I get the value perspective, but I mean, get him off your club and find somebody else that you can actually utilize week in, week out. Are you entertaining this as we get into week seven? Because I, I think I'm starting to entertain it more. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'd, I'd be okay with it. You know, especially if you want to look for somebody that's going to, you know, at least give you a little bit more consistency, you know, week in, week out, instead of being more of a boomer bus guy that we've seen so far from Antonio Gibson. So, so yeah, for me, I mean, and I guess it depends on, you know, how your running back situation is currently looking, but you know, if I were able to, I mean, hell at this point, you're not going to be able, you're not going to be able to trade Antonio Gibson for somebody like Cordell Patterson right now, because of the way that he's been playing. If I could trade Gibson for an uncle Lenny, you know, or buy low on a Saquon Barkley, I would absolutely do that. Hell yeah, man. You go by low on Saquon, get a little bit of change to come back in that direction. Like, you know, something you can utilize. I'm, I'm also, I'm not going to lie. I never thought ever I would be like, oh yeah, I'll trade Antonio Gibson for Uncle Lenny. Sure. <laughs> Uncle Lenny. He's cousin Lenny now. We got to get that shit straight, man. Now he's, cousin, now, he's, now he's cousin. It's like Danny Pennies to Danny Nichols. This is cousin Lenny, man. Cousin he's, Lenny. He's found the fountain of youth. He has, man. He's looked very good. And yeah, I've been, I've been taking heat on this uh, cousin Lenny, on uh, Uncle Lenny, man. Everyone, Chris, you got to let it go, man. Uncle Lenny's done. He's washed. He's 26 years old, motherfucker. He is still got some juice in those legs and he's he's showing it. But you know what? He does look heavy. He looks slower. I will admit that. But he's he's moving. He's moving the chains. 
He is. He's he's doing it. He's doing the damn thing. He's doing the damn thing, and I like it. New York Giants, Kadarius Tony, man. He so he, already right off the bat, they start peppering Kadarius. It was what three receptions on like three or four straight plays. And I was like, wow, man, this guy's going to have 200 yards in the first half. He makes that one cut. Mm-hmm. And it was like the one we talked about last week where you're like, that cut was like human joystick. And I said, did you see him kind of move backward before he made the cut? It was almost exactly the same cut he made and he rolled his ankle. He is out likely. They're saying now this could be a serious uh, ankle injury. And these were the kind of things we discussed when we scouted Kadarius because He's so dynamic, and and what makes him great is the ability to do the shifts and the cuts as well as he does, but that exposes you like um, soft soft tissue injuries where they're more susceptible to becoming injured. I mean, already, dude, we saw it in training camp. He was hurt. He was out, and then now, you know, this could be one of these guys that we say, yeah, he's so explosive. He's so electric. Can he put it all together? Yeah, and I think I think he can, but again, like it's the injuries, you know. And he had the injury issues in pre early in the season, preseason training camp. And now you have the ankle injury that is considered to be fairly serious. So the talent's there, but I mean, the guys just got to be able to stay on the field. Like that's my biggest concern now. It's just too early to be happening for a guy who needs to show out. That's my issue. I, 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 from what I'm seeing, I mean, he obviously can handle the workload or can he, I mean, cause continuously getting put in the medical room is never a good thing, but on the positive, you, you got Sterling Shepard. He is the freaking target pig right now. Well, 14 targets last week with all these injuries. And again, I, I'd likely to see that again next week, man. Shepard is definitely a plug and play uh, in my opinion, without even thinking about it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's literally, you know, kind of, you know, starting to, you know, kind of pick up where he left off, you know, first couple of weeks, he was the main guy getting all the targets, you know, injured last couple of weeks comes right back, gets the majority of the targets again. So yeah, he's, he's growing right back to being that wide receiver one for them. Yeah. I like it, man. Bills lose Dawson Knox to a broken bone in his hand. Thankfully they have the bye week, but I mean, this is a big loss. I think in more ways than one for this offense, because now, you know, you, you revert back to how you played before without a tight end. And again, you were very easily figured out. I don't want to harp on my bills uh, that much more, but I mean, Knox apparently broke it that bone before he threw that touchdown or a two point conversion pass to, to Josh Allen. So, Hey man, strap it up and wrap it up and, you know, go back on the field. I mean, yeah. I mean, and how the way that Dawson Knox have been playing, they need him on the field. Totally agree, man. Dak Prescott, he strains his calf. He's hurt on the final throw in overtime. They are optimistic. He is going to play after the bye week. But, I mean, here we go again with Dak and his injury concerns, injury history. And, I mean, uh, this is obviously the Achilles heel for this Dallas Cowboys team. If Dak goes down, I mean, there goes your Super Bowl out the window, potential uh, contendership. But, I mean, I, I think he I think he suits up. A calf strain, I mean, yeah, that, that's fairly insignificant, I would want to think. Yeah, I think they're, I think they'll be fine. Give him the bye week to, to rest and, you know, and to get treatment until he'll be fine for, for week eight. Paris mother effing Campbell. He scores a touchdown and he hurts his foot. And now he is out for a long period of time, apparently. 
This guy is in the same boat with me now with uh, Will Fuller and Curtis Samuel. I am now divorcing Mr. Paris Campbell on this show because I can't do it anymore. I, I get it. He's a young man and he's going to put up a lot of points in his career, likely. But I can't do it, man. It's mm-hmm. the Percy, it's the Percy Harvin effect. It's the Curtis Samuel effect. It's just not worth the risk for me anymore to be preaching up the the high end value that he potentially has, only to see him go to the medical room over and over again. Yeah, unfortunately, the the risk is is too much. It, it, right now, it just outweighs the talent and what he can do when he's on the field because. He's just not on the field as much. But speaking of your Colts, they did go ahead and activate your boy Sam Ellinger from Ooh. the IR and waving Jacob Eason. See, man, you see the scouting process. You see what I'm talking about? Just give this guy some faith over here. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. It's true, guys. He, he knows he knows his stuff. He knows I, know what's going on. I know what I'm doing. Ellinger, is, he's, he's probably not going to have much of an NFL career, but you know what? A backup no. role is kind of what I was saying. He's good enough to fill that backup role. It's good. Patrick Peterson, he lands on the IR with a hamstring. I mean, huge loss for this Minnesota defense because they actually have been playing extremely well on both sides of the ball. Got to give him credit. Kirk Cousins looks phenomenal. But without PP now on the field, I mean, this is huge, in my opinion, for the secondary because he was taking away a lot of those number ones and doing very well this season. Yeah, he definitely had he he struggled to start the season, but over the last few weeks, he was playing much, much better. Um, I still don't like the fact that they have him at cornerback. I really just think that he needs he's, he would crush it at safety, but that's not my decision to make. But now that he's injured, they're going to have to find a replacement. They're going to have to have the next man up right now, because like you said, you know, the way that he's been playing the last few weeks, that's going to be a big hit to that secondary. See, I love that because we talked about that in the offseason before he signed on free agency. We're saying, put this man at safety. Remember, we were talking and it was like, this is like Charles Woodson all over again. I think it's a natural transition in the next two years. I think he'll he'll want to continue to his career. And for me, I think uh, playing safety, he could play another six years easy. Same with Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman should not be playing quarterback right now. That man is just a liability out there. Oh, man. And he pulled his hamstring, too, man. That shit's getting old on him, too. It's just not good. But you know what, man? That's that's you know, it's not that big of a list. I thought it was longer than that. That that list is pretty short. So we've we've we're into bye weeks. We're in injury troubles. You know, hopefully you guys are keeping your head above water because it was tough for me last week. Yeah. And then the fact that, you know, for a lot of I mean, for me personally, I think it's my home league. I, I'm looking at uh, you know my week seven lineup, and I'm like, oh, great, eighty percent of my team is on the bye week. Now that's my own fault when I was drafting, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, of course, it's all the really good players that are on bye weeks. Yeah, man, you're gonna have a waiver wire squad this week. It's tough, man. Fantasy football problems. But anyway, let's go to big time players from this past week. I want to touch base because, I mean, we saw some really good performances. One, our boy Jalen Waddle. We were saying, give the man some targets. They definitely did uh, in London. He goes 10 for 70 and two touchdowns. Looks absolutely phenomenal. Tua back in the mix. He looked good. Miami just, you know, coaching is my thing. Uh, Not running the ball is my thing. I don't understand what Miami is thinking. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. You deserve to lose the way you played but the outcome comes Jalen Waddle looked absolutely phenomenal oh he was great I mean I was only able to catch bits and pieces of the game because I was at work so I was trying to stream some of it on my phone um, but it was great just to see him get the targets. it was great to see him you know finally you know be able to to become that player that we all thought he was going to be and also on the other or not the other side but on that same side of the ball Mike Kosicki was able to rekindle mm. that 
you know, that great chemistry that he started to form last season with Tua when Kasiki had a great second half of the year. And so it was nice to see Kasiki get that target share as well. See, and it makes me laugh because people are sitting there to, uh, cussing down Tua being like, there's no argument. It's Burrow over Tua. And it was like Burrow played well enough or uh, Tua played well enough to win the game. It's just the overall dynamic of how Miami uh, executed after, I think, is is the greater story rather than how Tua played. So I don't like that argument whatsoever. Cortland Sutton, he was a big-time player, 8 for 94 and one touchdown, but a lot of this came in garbage time, Chris. So I'm seeing a lot of players be or a lot of fantasy uh, analysts on Twitter, you know, pumping up their chest and saying, I told you that uh, Cortland Sutton was going to be this and going to be that, man. You were sweating Cortland Sutton the entire game until about the fourth quarter where they just started peppering him where, where Vegas's defense was like, yeah, go ahead, take all these targets you want because we don't care we won this game. Yeah, I mean, and I'm a huge Sutton fan. I love him. I, you know, I think he's a really great player. But yeah, I mean, you got him. He had the day that he did because, you know, he had to. Like, they were literally just chucking the ball up at the end of the game. Yeah, man, I'm hoping for a better week this week where he's utilized more and more. But Jerry Judy, you see, he's uh, he's practicing again, 50% uh, healthy mm-hmm. and ready to return. That's good news for Jerry Judy. Yeah, and speaking of of, of just chucking the ball up, uh Donovan Peoples Jones had the game oh. that he did because of that crazy Hail Mary to end the first half of his game. So that certainly helped like with like half of his fantasy points. Basically. And I don't even know who man, how the hell do you guys play defense like that? Where you allow Peoples Jones on a Hail Mary to catch it with his chest? Explain that one to I me, mean, please. Literally, he didn't have to reach up with his hands. The ball just man. went right to the numbers yeah. when, you, when he caught the ball. It was I, I, I still don't understand what I was watching. Like, there was no defense. Like, yeah, he's going to drop it. It's Peoples-Jones, and he makes a touchdown. Unbelievable. A.J. Green, man. He is still, man, turning it out, man. Five for 79 and one touchdown outside of week five. Green has been very reliable for you. Uh, okay, outside of week one and five, I should say. But, I mean, he's been reliable enough to trust in that flex uh, based on matchup, man. I, I This is everything we thought he was going to be because we told, we told y'all this was ADP value to return on investment all day long, and he's proven it. Dude, double-digit fantasy p- points and all of his games, like you said, except for weeks one and five, you know, were, were complete duds, but at least 13 PPR points in each of those other games. So, yeah, he's been more than reliable. He's been a, you know, a borderline wide receiver to production, you know, definitely a flex play right there. Yeah, man. And if Christian Kirk stops stealing his touches, I mean, we could see he's he's still a wide. He's a low end wide receiver. One going to get up against DB twos, man. Give this man the ball. He should be scoring like three touchdowns a game in this offense. Yeah, or if you want to maybe give the ball more to Rondell more, I'd like that too. Yeah, I don't mind Rondell. He does need some love, man. It's you know why? Because Kingsbury wasn't there, man. He had the COVID, and these guys don't know how to use him like uh, like Kingsbury does. That's fair. Like, oh, I know AJ Green. We're gonna go with him. Yeah, we we know we saw tape on AJ throughout his career. He can catch. Jonathan Taylor, man, three games in a row, 18-plus fantasy football points, 18.9, 30.4, in the last three contests, half PPR, Chris. This is like a magical, wonderful thing because how much love we spewed for this man uh, over the past two years, um, it's, it's now coming to fruition. Frank Rake has gotten out of his own way. He's feeding this man the rock, and he is repaying everybody, and I love it. Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean, RB4 right now and half PPR 
uh, formats, uh, just what we've seen from him so far this year, and the fact that he's being so much more heavily involved in the passing game, you know, that he's actually getting targets now, that's just increasing his fantasy value. So that's something that's super exciting for me to see, you know, because there was talks in the in the preseason or the, the offseason, you know, yeah, we want to get Jonathan Taylor involved more in the passing game. And my whole thing was, oh, it's just coach speak, you know, it's not going to happen, mm-hmm. but it's actually happening. You know, the guy's getting not a ton of targets, but he's seeing about three or four targets a game. And for somebody that was getting like one last year, this is a big improvement for him, which is I'm, I'm super, super excited to see. I love it. And it's, it's to the career ending of fantasy football for Naheem Hines at this point. But I mean, I, I don't care. I think, you know, JT, obviously you don't want to take him off the field and look how it's improved Carson Wentz's play. When you don't re- remove Jonathan Taylor from the field, these teams don't know what you're doing. It's opened up every Avenue on the play action pass. He's able, look at TY. He comes back from that neck. He like, he never left. And and Carson has that chemistry. He's finding Mo Cox, Mo problems, Ali Mo Ali Cox. I mean, it's just it's it's fantastic what they're able to do offensively when it all comes together. And and Frank Reich, I'm a huge fan. I think he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And I mean, and to show the confidence that he has in Jonathan Taylor as a receiver last season in 2020, you know, weeks one through six, Naheem Hines had 27 targets. Jonathan Taylor had 17. So we were seeing four and a half targets a game to two point eight targets a game this year. Naheem Hines has 21 targets. Jonathan Taylor just three behind with 18. So he's closing that gap really, really quickly. And he's answering that bell for y'all. And you guys should be smiling, hoping it continues because I think it will. Uncle Lenny, man, he over the last three games, speaking of which, when you said, I'm going to trade for Uncle Lenny, there's reason to this madness. And it's because he has been ball and he what last three games, 15.4, 19 and 27.7 half PBR points. Uncle Lenny looks like the Lenny of old. Is this sustainable, though? And it kind of seems like it is because, I mean, Bruce Arians is like not even looking in Rojo's direction anymore at all. No, I mean, Uncle Lenny is the workhorse back for this team right now. And weeks four through six, he's been the overall RB4 averaging, what, 20.7 half PPR points per game. Mm. I mean, only Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor and Derek Henry are scoring more points than him at this rate right now. How many shares of uh, Fournette do you own? You don't listen Zero. to me. You don't Not listen to me. Not a single share. <laughs> I'm in mother. six leagues and I don't own him in any. You mother, you don't listen to me at all. Shame on you. But I mean, you know what? It could be short-lived. So I the can't. Cam- the campaign for 2022 is going to be <laughs> listen to Chouse. Listen to Chouse. I'm just playing, man. But I mean, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if this is sustainable, but I mean, the way that they're going with this pass game with Antonio Brown, I mean, it looks damn good. So you, you can't hate yes. it. I got to pump my, my tires a little bit because Khalil Herbert, man, and this was nothing against you because I think that you actually said uh, when I went back and listened, you're like, yeah, I like Khalil, but you know, maybe I won't uh, put him on a roster just yet. It was totally justifiable, but he goes off and he looks good. He looked 19, good. Right? He looked good. He looked very good. 19 for 97, one touchdown, two receptions, 15 yards. And this was my thing. He's not this flash in the pan. He's like uh, David Montgomery to some degree. If you want to talk about a running ability, he's not going to break free and run away, but he can do it all. And, and his game is... He almost even looked better at finding the hole and more decisive than what David Montgomery has been looking like. And it's going to be a shame that if, if Williams comes back from the COVID and they don't give him the touches, I mean, back-to-back weeks, what was it, 19 and like 17 touches? Give this man the ball. 
Yeah, no, and and like you said, you know, in the the previous week, like the guy's got this great, you know, this juice, this bolts that I absolutely love from him. He was making the right decisions. You know, it was one thing that was very surprising with me when I watched the, you know, the, the game and I kind of went back and saw some other of his other plays was for such a young player, his vision mm. and the decision making that I saw from him. That's what impressed me the most, especially for somebody, you know, who has, was starting his first ever NFL game. Absolutely. It was it was unbelievable what you saw. I mean, yeah, OK. Would it have been nice to have seen the hundred yards? Sure. But I mean. 19 for 97. That's a productive day, especially when your quarterback is kind of all over the field, you know, putting you in bad situations. He was just a constant on that field. And it, it was, I, I hope it continues. I really do. I do too. I was, I, I loved what I saw. And even when Dave Montgomery does come back, I hope that, you know, Herbert's, you know, his, his share doesn't go down as much as we think it might. Yeah, I agree. I, I like him. I think he's good stuff. Week seven games, man. Let's talk about a couple of these before we get out of here, because uh, this is very, very interesting stuff. The L.A. Rams versus the Detroit Lions. This is Matthew Stafford versus Jared Goff. Revenge game versus revenge game. And I mean, really, we're not expecting much from Jared Goff. I'm only talking about this because I think Matthew Stafford is going to blow the fucking roof off of this shit uh, come this week, because this is everything to a stick it game. If you've ever seen it to your old club that said, hey, give me talent so I can make this team win in the playoffs. You never did playoffs. We talking about playoffs. This is going to be a good game, man. For Stafford, no, so the. The over-under right now for this game is 50 and a half, mm-hmm. which is too low because that's what the Rams are going to score by themselves, <laughs> okay? No. The, the, the line right now is minus 15. Mm-hmm. Like, tell, tell, me, tell me that the Rams are not going to win by at least two touchdowns and a, and a field goal. I'm taking minus 15 right now. We're, it's Tuesday. Oh, it's absolutely. Early. It's early. I still got some research and study to do, but I'm taking 15.5, and I feel good about it. The line opened yesterday at 13 and a half, and then it went up to 15 today. And I still think that's too low. <laughs> the only saving grace is, is Swift and Hawkinson. Outside of that, the Rams shut it down. I mean, good God, what Jalen Ramsey is just going to be, you know, like having fun out there. He, who's he? He's not going to be guarding anybody of, of consequence. Khalif Raymond and Amon Ross St. Brown won't know what hit him, man. No, no. I mean, they literally, he's going to look at them and he's like, all right. Um, other other corners, you guys, you you got them. I'm going to hang back here and have a sandwich. Yeah. You know, he's going to be, hey, man, go across the middle. It's open. And then, bang, he's going to cover it and be like, ha, I got you. Ha, I got you. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how his game's going to be all day, man. Would you entertain? This is another one that I was kind of debating with myself. Would you entertain playing Sony Michelle in this contest? Because likely it will get out of hand very early. And if we have bye week troubles this week, we have injury troubles at running back. Sony could be a sneaky play this week. I'm, it's it's one of those gut feelings you get. I mean, we know it's Sony. I, I got it in the gut, man. I can't get rid of it right now. If I had to, yes, because Detroit is just absolutely awful against the run. So I wouldn't hate that. But I'd also have to ensure that Sony Michelle wasn't just getting you know work in like the fourth quarter. You know, like I you'd have to really. Th- Hope that he was getting, you know, a, a a decent workload in the entire second half. You know, hoping that they maybe do kind of shut down Henderson a little bit after the first half, if they happen to go up by quite a bit. Um, just because I do think that with somebody like Sony Michelle, he needs he needs the carries to be productive. Like he's not going to just rip off a sixty yard run, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. But would you be of the opinion that they, they would rest 
Daryl Henderson a little bit more in this game. You know, maybe not like right out I the see gates, that. right? I mean, make it a little bit more yeah. 50-50 split at the start and then let Sony kind of take over. This It's just one of these things, man. This game is setting up to be that way. And, and I mean, Stafford throws a couple touchdowns, gets up early. I mean, it could be Sony all day. Yeah, it very well could be. I mean, hell, the way that this game strip could probably go, it, it could be over by halftime. Oh, baby, I love it. Kansas City and Tennessee. After what we saw Tennessee do to my Buffalo Bills, after we saw what my Bills did to Kansas City, who the hell are you taking in this one? It's in, it's in Tennessee. It's a home game again. It's got to be King Henry again running all over this defense. Oh God! Yeah, I mean, Henry Henry could top two hundred yards. I mean, right now the dude this this game total is fifty seven and a half right now. Mm. That's insane. So for me, I mean, it's tough because Tennessee's defense is not great. So I can see, I literally can just be you know, it's gonna be what whatever the last team is to score that has the ball is mm. probably gonna win this game. I think it's gonna be just back and forth all day long. Man, I just this one is already giving me headaches, and I've. I've looked the game charts. I've looked the stats. I've looked at everything so far in this contest, and I'm like, yeah, I don't like this game. What is it? What's the spread right now? Is like I don't. I don't like five and a half. Five yeah, and a half man. now. I don't like it. I, yeah, it, it keeps it. It keeps going up. It bothers me. It, it. This is why I don't like betting. It bothers me. I had a rough week. I took it on the chin this week. People are angry with me, Chris, and I. I'm sorry. Okay, I made a mistake, and you know what it was. I'm gonna vent a little bit more. It was Vegas Rig Week, if you don't understand, and it started on Thursday with that Tampa Bay game where they freaking go for two points when they had no business mm. going for two points, and everybody and their and their dog would have covered seven. That's when it started, and I was like, ah, you know what? I should change some of these. And sure enough, Vegas rigged it all, and they got all their money back that they've been paying out to me. Yeah, I'll, I'm honest with you. I, I'd be okay taking Tennessee at plus five and a half. Ooh, 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 ooh. frick, man! I don't like it though. I don't like it at all. I hate it. I don't like the line. I think it's. I think it's a trap. It's a big trap, and I and I really, really don't like it. It's giving me headaches right now. I already grew a couple more gray hairs. Ah, oh, but that's all I got, Chris. That's all I got on this Tuesday. This wonderful Taco Tuesday. What, did you have tacos? I did not. I didn't either. I had a burger. So, yeah, I had a burger and fries. I had potatoes and and meat and, you know, just your standard meal. Okay. All right. So, meat meat and potato Tuesday. Forget those tacos. Meat meat and potato Tuesday. See, man, you know what? It could be taco Thursday. Taco, yeah, be taco Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. I don't care anymore. Whatever. We've talked enough, man. So let's get out of here before we leave. Jake has got an important message. So listen up. Yeah, real quick, though, before we get out of here, I want to take a quick second here, Chris, and I want to make sure I shout out our, our partners here for the year at Fantrax.com. I mean, Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, hands down, right now, offering the greatest fantasy experience for you, uh, for your dynasty keeper, redraft, best ball leagues, whatever it is you play, they have you covered. And we want to make sure we get you guys in a position to really come in and play with us this year. We're going to have some best ball challenges with some cash prizes coming up here in the coming weeks, but you can set up your account now and it's 100% free. So head over to fantracks.com slash headliners, sign up for that free account, and then stay tuned to our Twitters, to our YouTubes, the, the community tabs on YouTube, all over the place. We're going to be posting links for these upcoming best ball challenges Totally looking forward to that, but make sure you head over there and sign up for that account right now, fantracks.com slash headliners. 
So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Kennedy 318. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And on behalf of Chris, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.